open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We know that today we do are we are approaching the table of communion. It is communion Sunday. And because of that, we want to prepare our hearts not only through worship, but we also want to prepare our hearts through the word of God. I love that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 specifically, we learn a lot about relationships. We learn a lot about marriage. We learn a lot about singleness. It's important to know it. It's important to go through these topics and these issues because our marriages need Jesus. There is nothing that we can do apart from Christ that will actually turn out good apart from Jesus. And sometimes we think, you know what, marriage can be the most difficult human relationship ever. <laughs> but with God and with Christ and with the Holy Spirit, it can be one of the most filling one of the most enriching relationships ever as well that you can be blessed in. I think one of the difficult things that we encounter every single day is that we think and we start to, in our mind, start to perceive, well, you know what, I'm going to marry this person and, and maybe they're not a believer right now, but later I can change them. And that's a problem because you can't change anyone. I want you to know that today. You cannot change your husband, so stop trying to change your husband. And husbands, you can't change your wives. Don't even try to change her. Only the Holy Spirit can change people. And that's why we need the Spirit of God in our marriages. That's why we need the Spirit of God in now our relationships. Because it's only the Holy Spirit that keeps us together. And it's the Holy Spirit that maintains us together. I think that sometimes we think that we can find a good marriage. You cannot find a good marriage. A good marriage is not something you find. A good marriage is something that you make and that you continue making. How are you making your marriage good? How are you continuing to make it good? In the last week we talked about how marriage is between a man and a woman ordained by God. We saw the model of it. We know that God honors the home where there is purity. Where it's a husband and a wife. It's not a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It's not anything else. But it's a husband and a wife. He's called us to that. However, today, whether you're single or you're married, you have to know one thing. Know where you're called. I want you to know this. Know where you are called today. In whatever season God has called you in, know that season and then grow where you're called. doesn't matter what season. I think sometimes we worry too much about, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll serve the Lord in that next season if He sets me up with the right things and He brings that right person in my life or, or maybe He fixes my marriage and then I'll start to serve Him right where you are. It doesn't matter what season you are. Right now, God wants to use you and He wants to do a work in your life. You see, more than ability, more than your relationship status, what God is looking for, He's looking for availability. Have you made yourself available to God? Have you been made, become a tool to serve Him, to glorify Him? And we talked about last week how, how your singleness is just as much as a tool to God as is your marriage. And I want to talk about three important points today. And if you like taking notes, I would encourage you to write them down. But number one is to be content. Be content. I think that's something that we struggle with, right? We're always fighting, wrestling, wanting to be in the next place in life. But today we want to learn to be content, number one. If you're struggling, I want you to know, number two, to be still. Every time we struggle, we're going through a temptation or something in life. We want to move quickly. But today God wants to tell us to be still. And number three, after you're content, after you're still, be determined now. Determined for what? Determined to put God first. 
Are you content today? Are you still and are you now determined to put God first? You see, contentment in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, I'm going to read it to you. Paul says this, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Having a relationship with God and then contentment being satisfied because the word contentment means satisfied and that being sufficient for me, a relationship with God, that is not gain, it is great gain. It is great gain to be satisfied in your relationship with God because when you're content, you don't have to be fighting. You can live in peace. You don't have to be anxious trying to force things to happen or striving for no reason because you are fully satisfied and grateful where God has you and where God calls you until He calls you somewhere else. You are content. You see, when God calls you somewhere, He will also enable you now and the enablement can be learned, and the contentment can be learned in that season. God called you here. He's going to enable you to be content. He's going to enable you to be at peace. That's what contentment means, to be at peace. And that contentment is something that can be learned. I think sometimes we're not satisfied because we think, you know what, I'm not content. That means that that's, this is not where God has me. Contentment can be learned. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned to be content. I've learned it. It didn't just happen overnight. I learned what it means to be content. And in every season, even in the wilderness season, even in the trial times, even in through tribulation, I have learned to be content. And today I want to encourage you to walk away not filled with complaints, but today walk away be filled with content. I am fully content, be fully satisfied. God is sufficient for me. I'm not having my heart be filled with complaints. I want my heart to be filled with contentment that comes from godliness, that I know from God's Word. I am content from God's Word. But number two, to be still. That's the hardest thing for us. Because we don't like to be still. We want to be in control and in, in, in fact. We don't want somebody else to manage our, our day, our schedule, or make the decisions for us. We want to move into action and say, Lord, I know you're in control, but I'll just help you from down here. I'll start to make all the moves for you. In Psalms chapter 46, verse 10, it says, be still. And today, maybe you need to hear that, to be still and to know that He is God. And because He made everything beautiful in its time, and because you don't know things that He does, and He knows things that we don't know, we can trust Him in the process of waiting. I want you to know that you can trust Him in the process of waiting. You can rest. Because when you start to become restless, you can become emotional in your restlessness. You can start to make decisions that don't honor God in your restlessness, wrestling with these things instead of, instead of being still and giving them over to the Lord. And your restlessness can easily lead to your recklessness. How many times have you been in a reckless situation because you were restless first and didn't wait on God? We need to wait on God and learn what it means to wait on God. And then number three, be determined. I'm content, yes, with, I'm su suffice when the Lord, He is sufficient for me and my relationship with Him is enough. Because when we have God, we have all we need, we're content, we are still, but also we're determined to put God first. As we go to communion, I want you to be determined to put God first. And what is first in your life? In every season, God wants you to put Him first. 
You can live for Him right now where you are, right now, today. He can be the emphasis. He can be the focus. And you can first seek Him. Matthew 6, What does it tell us? But first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else shall be added unto you. See, more than seeking good things, we have to make sure that we're seeking all the right things. We don't just want to seek the good things. We also want to seek all the right things. And all the right things are found in the kingdom of God. There's a tremendous blessing and potential of blessing, I'll tell you. In serving the Lord with freedom and with concentration. Are you serving the Lord today where you are with freedom and with concentration? I feel so free, would you feel, in serving God. I am so concentrated in serving God. It doesn't matter everything else in the circumstances that are taking place. I am focused. I am concentrated. I am dedicated. I'm still in His presence. I'm content in where He has me. And I'm going to let Him speak to me. And if you've gone through a season where maybe it's a past, then at the cross it's been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Today I want you to know that. Maybe we come into condemnation sometimes and say, no, the Lord doesn't, can't use me. Well, when it's part of your past and you've gone to the cross, He has covered that season up with the blood of the Lamb at Calvary. And maybe you're facing a situation in the future before you and you're saying, I'm really intimidated by this situation. Well, if it's before you now, then let's take it to the altar. Let's take it to the table of communion and ask God for some direction today. Today, do you need to bring anything to the altar about the future? Do you need to maybe bring the past and say, Lord, cover it with the blood of the Lamb? Do you need to bring your now marriage and say, Lord, cover it with the blood of the Lamb? Do you need to bring maybe your past of insecurity and of fear, of discouragement and say, Lord, cover it with the blood of the Lamb? I want to come and lay my life at the altar and I place my life, everything that you have for me, I want to live as I'm called. Because in 1 Corinthians 7 now, verse 17, it says this, but as God distributed to each one, just as He gave each one of us, the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. Just the way God called you today, then walk right there where He called you. And so I ordain all the churches. Was anyone called while he was circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while he was uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. <laughs> and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Can we pray? Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. And we ask that you would do a mighty work, Lord, here. That you'd fill your church with your power and with your spirit, God. And we pray that we would live, that we would walk as we are called. We're called to holiness. We're called to be sanctified. We're not called to mix in with the world and with sin and, and Lord, compromise. Lord, we're called, Lord, to stand strong to our convictions and our passions, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would live as we're called in Jesus' name. And together we said, Amen. Amen. You see, the Corinthian church here was now, in a, now against the wall trying to decide, is it better for us to be single or to be married? Or, or does God use me more if I'm in this season or in that season? And He's going to remind them, don't get caught up with the traditions of men or pleasing people. Serve God the way that you were called. And He answers here the question to live as you were called. To continue in whichever situation God has you, trust them in the process of that situation, walk with Him and live as you were called. Today ask Him, Lord, what have you called me to? Lord, what is your plan for my life? God's plan for your life, number one, is your holiness. That's His number one plan for your life, your obedience. 
And he's saying here, wherever God's placed you, remain where He's placed you and be content. Be satisfied no matter what when the situation in life is taking place and be thankful until God calls you somewhere else and be filled with gratitude. I think today we have to be filled with gratitude because of God's grace. Maybe you're even going through tribulations through a season where it's like, how can it be filled with gratitude? You can be filled with gratitude because God has never left your side. And no matter what, you can trust Him with what's coming next. That's why you can be filled with gratitude. He said, was anyone called, for example, was anyone called where he was circumcised or, or went through the procedure of being a Jew and cutting off the flesh, the male flesh? In verse 18, let him not become here uncircumcised. Don't go through a surgical procedure to try to be uncircumcised now because you think that now the Jewish law is not what saves you. Although it's not, don't try to change things now. Live at peace. And then he says here in verse 18, Was anyone called while he was uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. See, this is important here. Because sometimes when we come to the Lord, we try to reverse things that happened in our past to be right with God. Oh, I made that decision. And it was not right, the decision that I made. And now in the Lord, I'm going to reverse now this circumstance now so that I can be right with God. Here he's telling them, hey, when it comes to circumcision, when it comes to those outwardly things, Just stay where you are and live for God. Sometimes we make decisions that God is not honored through because we want to reverse circumstances, because we want to reverse situations, and we want to alter the outside when God's wanting to work in our hearts. You see, the spiritual transformation, the soul transformation, begins from the inside out, and God is looking for your obedience. More than He's looking for your status, He's looking for your obedience. How does your obedience look today? In verse 19, he's going to call them out because they're so in love with tradition. Some Jews would say, well, you know what? I was a Jew. I went through this whole Jewish thing and ceremony and I know that's not what saved me. So I'm going to go and do this whole opposite thing now so I can be right with God. And those that have not gone through those, the status quo of the world said, well, I need to fit into the certain now parameter and I need to fit into the certain type of look to be accepted by God. No, you don't. You do not need to fit into that world or, or status of quo, what it means to be a Christian. Absolutely not. Just serve God right where He has you. Right the way He has you, the, the desires that He placed in your heart. Serve the Lord there. And He says, verse 19, for circumcision, those traditions that are man-made are nothing. And uncircumcision also, it is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. If you like taking notes, I want you to underline that because you need to know the commandments of God. Keeping them, obeying the commandments of God is what matters. You see, the people here were identifying, man, we belong to God because we're circumcised. And they were identifying to God through Abraham. Or I belong to God because I go to church, I was raised in the church, my parents served. That means I belong to God, that doesn't matter. Obeying the commandments of God is what makes you belong to God. Obedience is what makes you belong to God. You see, you want to belong to God, you want to be right with God. It's not the outward, it's the inward that's taking place. What really matters? What really matters in your life today? And today maybe we need to assess what really matters. What really matters is keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Well, what about, what are they going to say if I keep the commandments of God? You see, it makes no difference if you cut off the flesh outwardly, but inwardly you have not cut it off in your heart. We need to make sure that we cut the flesh away from the inside out. In Mark chapter 7, verse 6 through 9, you know what Jesus says here? He said, He answered them, 
And he said, well did Isaiah prophesy, you hypocrites. And he calls out now these scribes and the priests and the religious leaders. says, these people honor me with their lips. They're saying all the good things, all the right things with their lips. But their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines of the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of man. How many times have we laid aside the Bible so that we can hold the traditions of men? Oh, well, my family. Oh, well, my, my, my uh, uh, friends. Oh, well, my, my, my trade or my culture or my degree or whatever it is. And you hold more of that in regard than the Word of God. And he's calling them out. He's saying, you lay aside the commandment of God and you hold the tradition of men. The washing and of pitchers and of cups and many other such things you do, he said to them, all too well you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your tradition. Are you more in love with tradition than you are in love with the Word of God? You see, the Bible clearly tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience, in fact, closes the gap between religion and relationship. And that's why he calls them hypocrites. Because you thought at one point in our lives, and we all thought that, that we were right with God because we did everything outwardly. And, but in fact, he's saying, you're not even obeying the Word of God. You might say all the right things. You might know how to, how to fake it. You might know how to say it. You might know how to play the part. But how does your heart look today? You see, what really matters today in your life? What matters is that you're keeping the commandments of God. That's what really matters. I love what Jesus said in John 15. He said, you know what? If you obey my words and my words are in you and, my, and you are in my words and you keep my words, then you will bear much fruit and then you will be my disciples. You want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the number one prerequisite of the disciple of Jesus is obedience. And in verse 20, he says, Let's each one remain, stay, stay in the calling which you were called. And God called you to stay in that calling. You don't have to try to move. You have to learn to remain now content. And he's going to talk about different seasons in life. Sometimes we think, well, I, I got saved. Now I have to move out of this place and go to that. But no, you know what? Remain in the calling you were called. Pursue now holiness. Pursue now obedience. Were you called, verse 21, while a slave? Were you called maybe at, at that point they were called in the season where they would be a slave or a servant of other people? Do not be concerned about it. Don't dwell too much on this. If God called you in this specific season, don't dwell. But if you can be made free, rather use it. Use the freedom so that you can now serve God. Verse 22, For he who called you in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You see, now when we talk about your freedom, your independence now, and all of these things that were taking place as those would serve others now, right? He's saying, were you called, if you were called as a slave or a servant of someone else, right? If you were now uh, owing them time and service. Well, I want you to not be worried or concerned so much about that because in fact, you are God's. You don't even belong to that person to begin with. You're God's. But if you have the opportunity to be free, use it by all means to serve the Lord as well. And if you are free, understand, you're not really free to this world. You're not free to yourself because in fact, you are enslaved to Christ. So either way, whether slave or free, you belong to Christ. I think our identity has to come from that. That you belong to Christ. Is your identity today knowing that I am a child of God, number one. And number two, I belong to God. I don't belong to man. I don't belong to man's opinion. I don't belong to what the world says about me. We belong to God. And therefore, because we belong to God, keeping His commandments is number one thing that we should now hold regard to. 
keeping His commandments. I, I heard recently, if you don't stand for something, then you're going to fall for anything. What do you stand for today? Do you stand for the Word of God? Because if you don't stand for the Word of God, then you're just going to fall for anything that comes your way. You're just going to obey anything. You're going to follow the, now the path that everyone wants to go through. In verse 23, look what it says after saying that you belong to God, that you are Christ's slave. I love this word that he uses, slave, as a doulos. One that doesn't have rights. One that doesn't hesitate to obey. I'm just here, I'm a slave to God. That's what we are. We're enslaved to the Lord. And he says, how are you a slave? Because you were bought. He paid the price for you. And sometimes we say, well, you know what? I, I'm all about you know, the, the, my rights and my justice and all this. No, God paid the price for you. And you don't belong to you. You don't belong to anyone else. You belong to God. Therefore, dedicate yourself to God. Man, in the time that I'm content, in the time that I'm still, in the time that I am now determined to put God first, dedicate yourself. Are you dedicated to God or are you dedicated to something else? You see, He has paid the price for you. The cross has set you free from the sin of this world so you can go and serve God now. Do you understand how free you are in the Lord? You're so free in the Lord. And at the same time, we have the obligation to serve Him only. And it says here now in this verse, verse 23, You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. You know how we become slaves of men? He paid a price for you and He set you free. Therefore, do not become slaves of people. How do you become a slave of a person? When the opinions of people matter more than the opinion of God. I think so many times we become a slave to, to, to man. We're enslaved to tradition. We're enslaved to sin. We can be even enslaved to family. We can be enslaved to things how they've been done for many years. But, but what does the Bible say? Anything that hinders you or that slows you down, you have to lay aside that way and lay aside that sin so that you can pursue God at full force right there where He's called you. And not ever look back with no regrets and no retreats. I don't want to be enslaved by this world. We've been freed from this world. He paid the price. He bought you out of this world so that you can serve Him. You know, when you're enslaved by this world, you're enslaved to their lives. And the world lies to you and you believe you're enslaved to those lies. You're enslaved maybe to the addictions. Maybe you're enslaved under a bondage and you can't. You say, you know what, I just cannot do it. The New Living Translation said, God paid a high price for you. The price that He paid for you was with His only Son. It was a very expensive price so that you do not have to become enslaved to the world. You know what's interesting about this? That He set you free from that? Either Jesus set you free... Or He did not set you free. Did He set you free today? Are you free in the Lord to pursue Him? Are you free from sin? John chapter 8 verse 34 says it so clearly. He says here, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin, if you're living in a lifestyle of sin, guess what? You're a slave of sin. You would say, well, I'm not a slave to it. Can you stop it right now? Can you quit that right now? Can you give those thoughts to the Lord right now? Can you not uh, wrestle anymore with that temptation? Can you give it to the Lord? Because we need the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus Christ. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. I'm a child of God. We are sons and daughters of the Lord. Therefore, if the Son, if Jesus makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Why have you been made free? So you can live for Him. 
You're no longer under the bondage of what people say. He's, you've been covered by the blood of the Lamb. You've been washed. And that's exactly why we're going to take communion today. Because we have been covered by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of His testimony. The Bible says in Revelations that the church, they were singing a new song. Just like we were singing today. We're going to be singing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. For you were slain and we have been redeemed. We have been bought by us, God, by your blood. Out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. Why is it so important that you were bought? I want you to know that it's important that you were bought. So that all the discouragement, all the fear... Maybe the sin, maybe the addiction, maybe the bondage that you're going through. You can say, I am going to forsake that because I have been bought with a price. You see, if you buy something with a price, guess what happens? You go out to a car and you actually finish paying off your loan on that car. Guess what you get in the mail? You get the title of that car and it has your name on it. When, he went to, when Jesus went to the cross and He was hung, hanging on that cross, as we go now to the bread and the cup today, as He was hanging on that cross... He yelled out, Teltelestai, which means it's finished. But in fact, during that time of that culture, the Romans, what they would do, if you owed a debt and you were paying that debt in payments, when you finished paying that debt, they would stamp on the receipt, Teltelestai. It has been paid in full. You are no longer in debt. And therefore, now that title deed was transferred over to someone else. Jesus went to the cross and he yelled out to Telestai, Now the title deed of your life belongs to him. You no longer belong to self. You don't belong to the world. Everything about your values and your vision and the principles that you carry in life belong to the Lord. Because he said it is finished and he paid the price for you and for me. In verse 24 it says here, Now brethren, let each of you remain. Let each of you remain. Can we remain today? Can we be still today in the calling that you were called in verse 24? Remain with God in the state which He was called. You see, there's so much peace. There's so much resting here. Remain with God. And now I want to ask you today, what is hindering you from remaining with God? What's stopping you today or what is slowing you down? What's stopping you? What's slowing you down? What's hindering you in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1? says this, therefore we also, since we are surrounded, that's awesome, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses here, let us lay aside, and he wants you to lay aside two things, and today before we go to communion, we want to lay aside two things, we want to remain in the calling that which we are called, but we want to lay aside every weight, and the sin that so easily ensnares us or traps us or holds us back or the temptation that's in our way that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Are you running today with endurance? Or have you been running your walk like it's a sprint and you just want to finish? You don't care what you have. I have the weights on me. I have the sin, all the baggage that I'm taking. And, and you know what? We take it to the cross, but we take, we show the Lord, look at all this baggage. Look at all this weight, Lord. Look at all this sin. Here I am at the foot of the cross. And then you pray in Jesus' name, amen. And guess what? You grab all your baggage, your sin, and you take it right back home with you. <laughs> no, that's not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to leave it there. You're supposed to lay aside the weight. Lay aside the sin. I want to ask, what today, what is, what's the weight that maybe is holding you? Is it a weight in your mind? Is it the sin, maybe, that's stopping you? Is it the, the spiritual warfare that's taking place in your life right now that's stopping you from doing what God called you to do? 
Is it maybe the sin that is ensnaring you and has set a trap for you as the enemy? No, in fact, run. Keep running with endurance. You know what's amazing about those that run marathon is their endurance, right? That they practice. That they don't let anything stop them. That they don't get distracted by those that are standing in the sidelines. They're running with endurance. They're running with endurance the race that is set before them. How are you running the race that is set before you today? Because it's not about how you start the race, but it's about how you finish the race. Many people start the race, but many people don't finish it. And nothing in our lives must be allowed to make us neglect the race, make us delay the race, or be anything less than our best in a service so that we can run the race. Is anything today allowed in your life to make you neglect that you are in the race for the Lord? Is anything allowed in your life to make you delay yourself that you are in the race for God? Or is anything allowed that is making you or providing anything less than the best of you in your service to the Lord in that race? Lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us and run the race to win. You see, today God has called us to run the race to win. And it doesn't matter what season you are in life. Maybe you say, you know, I'm in a season right now and I'm just so discouraged. God wants you to say, I want to speak to you in that discouragement. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're full of fear. God wants to speak to you through that fear and use your life. Maybe you say, you know what, well, I've been wrestling. God doesn't want you to wrestle. He wants you to rest. He doesn't want you to be reckless with your restlessness. He wants you to continue running the race with endurance. But we have to put aside the weight and the sin and know what really matters. What matters? Obeying the Word of God. That's where it starts. That's where you have to start the race. It's the Word of God. And sometimes we can't obey the Word of God and we don't know the Word of God. We come to church, we must know the Word of God. We must know prayer. We must know devotion. We must know what loyalty means to the Word of God. How does your, word, your Bible reading look today? How does it look when, when the Bible, not only you get in the Bible, but the Bible gets into you? You see, it starts to transform your life from the inside out where the only thing that matters is the Word of God and nothing else. We're not slaves to the world, word of God, to the world anymore. We're not slaves to man. We're, we're now enslaved to the Lord. We belong to Him. I'm a child of God. And we belong to God. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank You. And we ask right now, Lord, that You would fill us with Your Spirit. That you would do a mighty work, Lord. We don't want to be the same, Lord. Whatever is ensnaring us, maybe there's a trap there right before us. There's a trap right before us, God. We've walked into that trap way too many times. The enemy has set a trap of sin. The enemy has set a trap, Lord, of weight. Today, Lord, before we go to communion, we want to, Lord, lay aside that weight and lay aside that sin. That so easily is ensnaring us, that's stopping us, that's holding us back. You know what that is, Lord. And we want, Lord, freedom in you. We want concentration. We want focus. Because we do choose to be content today. We choose, Lord, to... Be still and know that you are God, that you know things that we don't know. And because you know things that we don't know, that we can trust you as we wait. 
And Lord, we want to be determined, even as we're content, even as we're still, we want to be determined to put you first. We don't want to be filling our life with all these good things. We want to fill our lives with all the right things. And that is you, your kingdom, God. 